Every single challenge we have in life, big or small, can teach us patience, courage, and grace. If you can remember that, you can always find peace in your situation. That's a quote by Mindy Henderson, motivational speaker, author, and coach. Welcome to Sidetrack Legacies, episode number 79. And today, I am talking with Mindy Henderson about all the things. Her book, The Truth About Things That Suck and How to Make Them Suck Less, was just published last week. So, in this interview, we talk about her background, about her life in IT, and how she made the pivot to move toward her deeper purpose. In her book, she talks about how the experiences of disability and illness, rejection, loneliness, shame, and job loss, 17 sucky experiences in all, can each be used as a new lens to look at life, stress, and its challenges. And then we can create a new mindset about the hard things that we go through in life. Welcome. This is the Sidetracked Legacies Podcast, and I'm your host, Lisa Hoffman. Do you have ideas and thoughts that you'd like to share with your children or grandchildren? Have you learned some life lessons that might help others? If you answered yes to either of these questions, you need to get it down on paper. The world needs your stories, values, wisdom. We call this legacy work. The Sidetrack sisters have been getting together to write for years, and the topic that we most enjoy writing about is ourselves, who we are, what we've done, and what we believe. Now, we want to extend the invitation for others to join us. So, grab a notebook, journal, or laptop, and listen in while the Sidetrack sisters share thoughts and tips on how to uncover, communicate, and preserve your stories. So one more quick thing before we dive into today's episode. Please rate and review the Sidetrack Legacies podcast because it will help others find us. And also, be sure to subscribe or follow us on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to be notified whenever we have a new episode. And now, here we go. Okay, well, welcome, Mindy. It's like I just said a second ago. I'm so excited about this. I've just kind of been vibrating all morning. I was glad oh. that... I was able to get you on so quickly that our schedules were able to mesh. And yeah. um, as I mentioned, yes. I've looked at all your, your things. You've got some beauty. Your, your podcast is just so fascinating. It's like, where mm. do you begin? So nice. Thank you. The pleasure is all mine. I appreciate you having me. So thank you. Right. So, well, why don't you just begin? And I'm um, looking for people to interview who do what they know that they're meant to do as, really as a legacy. Each of us has, I believe, a legacy in our life that we are called to do something, whether that's writing a book, a memoir, getting our story down storytelling, being a visual artist, and you, uh, you, you've got a very special set of circumstances that have led you to be a very inspirational woman who has Aww. a beautiful story to tell. Well, thank you so much. You know, I, I don't even know where to begin. I mean, I, you, you mentioned a person's calling and I, I really, really feel like for the first time in my life, I am doing what I'm supposed to be uh, what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm where I'm supposed to be. All of the stars 
finally just sort of aligned. But, you know, writing is something that I've always loved to do. I think I wrote my first story when I was like eight. Um, and, you know, I, I started out writing fiction and making up stories and, and all of that. And then later in my life, um, I got sort of obsessed with getting more and more, I guess, educated about um, the personal development side of things and how we can all just sort of become the best versions of ourselves. And mm. along the way, you know, I, I had a unique set of challenges, like you mm -hmm. said, and some things were, were a lot harder to do than I expected them to be. And I also just really got obsessed with the idea that potential should not be wasted and that we're all capable, I think, of so much more than we give ourselves credit for. And we all make a lot of excuses, I think, from time to time. Mm -hmm. I have been guilty of making so many excuses to not do things that were going to be hard or that, you know, I, I wanted to do, but I didn't really want to do the work. I just wanted mm -hmm. the thing, mm -hmm. you know, and so I, I kind of became obsessed with that idea too. And, um, and so eventually I, you know, I had this 20 year career in high tech mm -hmm. before mm -hmm. all of this, it was a very traditional, you know, quote unquote, safe career. Yeah. And at the end of that 20 years, um, I left that career because the company I was working for had been acquired and, um, I, um, was part of a layoff when things got reorganized and all of that. And um, 10 months later, I fully expected to go back to the kind of job that I had had. And 10 months later, I was still looking for work and nothing was gelling. And it really felt to me like I was being led in a different direction. I felt like finally the universe was, you know, sometimes it whispers, sometimes it shouts. And I feel, <laughs> feel like at that point, it really shouted at me and told me that now or never I needed to make this pivot and started to build this career as a speaker and a writer and now working for the Muscular Dystrophy Association. So mm -hmm. it's a completely different life professionally than I had three years ago. Wow. So now you just um, kind of, I'm going to segue there from what you're talking about and, and that feeling of empowerment that you currently have, but you have some physical challenges that started way, 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 way back for you when you're about 15 months old yes. um, that you were diagnosed. And so you do have some unique challenges that um, why don't you kind of back us way back and kind of give us some of your backstory. Sure. Yeah. You've done your homework. I um, was diagnosed with a condition called spinal muscular atrophy when I was, like you said, only about 15 months old. And it's a neuromuscular condition that falls into the same bucket as like muscular dystrophy, which seems to be what people are the most familiar with. Um, it is a rare, it's considered a rare condition. Um, most of the neuromuscular conditions out there are considered um, part of the rare disease family. Um, but back in the day, you know, there was even less known about it than, it, than there is today. And my parents were told at the time I was diagnosed that I would lose all of my ability to stand and walk and that I would probably lose all of my cognitive, cognitive function, and that I probably would not live to be three. And, you know, it was for my parents. I of course don't remember this period <laughs> in my life, but for them, it was a very traumatic experience and they were only 
in their twenties when this happened. And so, you know, I think about being in my twenties, having to navigate a complicated medical system and yeah. And being given that kind of prognosis for your child and how scary that would be. And the two of them, you know, really rallied together and decided that they wanted to do everything they possibly could to help me. And even though doctors didn't think it would do any good, they started to do physical therapy with me. And little by little, I started to get a little stronger and two out of three of the predictions I like to say were proved untrue. Um, you know, sort of the, the sentence of life in a wheelchair was, was true. And, and I have lived my life from a wheelchair and, um, you know, I've, I've really kind of architected a life around that, that works for me. Well, I'm sure that even with that, um, limitation, um, you've had to organize what you just said, organize your life in a way Mm -hmm. that, um, you provide, um, boundaries and safety considerations for yourself. I can Mm -hmm. imagine that's one of the reasons why you stayed in that, that tech career for so long, like so many of us, it's so easy to, I was a teacher for 30 years and I always said, you know, I'm not going to do this forever. And I did take a jump out for a a span of time and that didn't Mm -hmm. work. And then I jumped back into education again because it was what I knew it was comfortable. I did love it. You know, there was so many wonderful things, the kids I taught first grade, um, you know, it's just a beautiful and fun. It was, it really was my jam until. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, absolutely. And I feel the same way. I got so much from my career. It was, you know, I, I, I talk about it in terms of being a safe career and all of that, but I had some amazing opportunities along the way and, you know, a ton of professional growth and the opportunity to meet and work with some brilliant people. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it was, it was a great career that I had. Um, but I always kind of felt like I, there was, there was something else out there for me. And so, you know, I believe that if there is something in you that you just can't let go of and, you know, maybe even years go by and you just, you can't stop thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's a reason for that. And I think it could be, you know, your, your calling. Yeah. Well, you, now you mentioned that you had been writing stories and that's always been like a passion of yours since you were eight years old. Did mm-hmm. you ever have any um, imagining that? I mean, did you, did you, did you like speaking and podcasting, of course, wasn't even a thing, you know, back Mm -mm. then. No. Um, How did that kind of gel for you? Tell us how you transitioned. Now you said that, you know, there was reorganization and stuff in the company. Mm -hmm. Um, But how did you find, you know, that, that, how did you refine or how did you, you organize that, that love of writing into what you're doing now, which is writing and podcasting and being a motivational speaker, um, a coach. How did that gel for you? Yeah. So I, you know, when, when that career ended and 10 months went by and I didn't have any, um, any indication that a, a, a new, another position was coming my way, um, or I didn't have a lot of, of options presenting themselves. I, I had what I, what I refer to as my bathroom floor moment. And, you know, <laughs> after that sounds juicy, I love that. That's yeah. Wonderful. Well, yes. you know, and after, 10 months of that kind of disappointment and rejection over and over and over again, Mm -hmm. I interviewed, I'm not kidding you. I interview, I have a spreadsheet. I can show it to you and, and you will see that this is true. 
at the, I think at last count, I had applied for 342 positions in 10 months. Wow. Yeah. And I think so if you had I, if really banged serves, on all the doors. I mean, yeah, yeah. If memory serves, I think I actively interviewed for 53 of those in 10 months. Yeah. So it was a lot of rejection and disappointment, like I said. And, you know, after that amount of time, your brain starts to go some dark places, you know, and you really start to question your worth and your value and all of those things. And fortunately, when my mind started going that direction, I, I heard myself and I was very aware of the direction that my mind was taking. And I, I, I realized in a very specific moment that I had a decision to make. And that decision was either to become the worst version of myself mm. and continue down this path or to take control of the situation and hire myself <laughs> and go pursue some of these other ambitions that I had. And you asked where the, the public speaking and everything came from. Yeah. When I was little, I was uh, um, the Texas state and then the Florida state ambassador for the muscular dystrophy association. And so I did, I gave my first speech when I was like four. Um, and so I, I caught the speaking bug early on and I really realized you know, the power of our voices and how you could make a difference. And so I'd always had these ambitions to write and to do more public speaking. Um, and I, I started doing it. I think the day after this bathroom floor moment, I wrote the first chapter of my book. And wow. so how did, um, how did I, you get from that point from the bathroom floor to, to, you know, that seems like a huge leap to me. I mean, yeah. What well, happened? it, it does. It, it yeah. feels like a huge leap, but there was, you know, it was, it was one of those moments where I think it was just the perfect convergence okay. of circumstances and things that I had been pondering. And, you know, and I realized that I was, what I wanted to do was to write a book at a very high level about, helping people navigate their own adversity. Mm -hmm. And what I realized was this is the perfect time to write this book because I am sitting in the middle of my own gigantic pile of adversity with this, this job situation. And that's the approach that I took. And I just started writing based on that. Kind of like telling yourself what you needed to hear. Yeah, I think so. I think, yeah, I think you nailed it. Um, and so, yes, I, I started writing just from there and sort of thinking through, you know, okay, so I'm, I'm calling myself a motivational speaker. Let's motivational speak myself. And, you know, like you said, tell myself what I needed to hear. And that ultimately, um, in a roundabout kind of way became this book, but honestly, this book was really more of a 12 year project in the making because I set out about 12 years ago to write a book. And again, I knew that I wanted to help people navigate their adversity. So that's always been sort of the overarching idea. Um, but the, the actual specifics of the book have evolved and changed three or four times in the course mm -hmm. of that 12 years. Mm -hmm. So things have been percolating for you, different they thoughts have been. and everything. That's are a good way you, to put it. 
are you a, do you write a di in a diary? Do you write in a journal? Um, do you have a, a writing practice? You know, I, I'm embarrassed to say that I don't. <laughs> um, I, I've journaled in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, and at different points in my life, I've been more of a, a diary keeper or a journaler than at other times. And I, I think honestly, writing this book, it's, it's kind of one big gigantic diary of my thoughts and my experiences and what I've learned, um, through, through the years and, and all of that. So I think that the, the book writing itself probably filled, a journaling practice um, for me for, you know, a little stretch of time. Sure. Yeah. Um, when you um, say that you, you know, you're putting your, your heart and soul into this book. Um, so when you were, it was percolating, your, your ideas were forming about the book and it really being a motivational tool for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, did you, is, is, is that, the, the, the only iteration that the book was ever in, did it, when you took it to a, an editor, when you showed it to other people, did they go, oh my God, this is a book. Um, this is wonderful. You've got to get this published. And tell mm -hmm. us about that process of, of having your finished. Okay. Now what do I do? Yeah. So um, I'm trying to think where to start even because it's been such a journey, but you know, yeah. So I was taking this class and we were supposed to have a finished book proposal at the end of this class. And I was super excited, but the feedback that I was getting as we turned in the different sections of our book proposal was that it was, it was a very memoir-y kind of, of book. And, you know, my intention was to tell my stories, but then, you know, what I had learned from them and, and in hopes of imparting, you know, some help and empowerment and advice to other people who were going through struggles, but they kept coming back and saying, we can't sell a memoir to a publisher for a person who's not famous. And so, um, so I, I, you know, I took that feedback like and I had written, you know, bits and pieces. Yeah. And, you know, it was discouraging, but I knew I was going to figure it out. Right, right. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I had written different bits and pieces of the book proposal. So I had one that I could continue to, to edit and, and, and evolve. And I came up with the idea I found the loophole is what it was. <laughs> yeah. So I came up with the idea that I said, you know, maybe they're right. Maybe I need a broader view of adversity and struggles and things. And so I set out to interview a bunch of people so that I could have points of view other than my own. Mm. Um, and I wanted to talk about you know, some other people's stories and what other people had been through and what they had learned mm -hmm. and all of that. And then I also interviewed um, a psychologist friend to get her take on some things. And I had the incredible honor of interviewing Sean Aker, who, if you're not familiar with him, he's, you need to be, he's a happiness researcher, which number one oh. has to be the best job on the planet. But he's also a New York Times bestselling author, and so he's incredible. And what did I he write? Love, you know I've, the, I've, pardon. Do you know what? What's the name of the book he wrote? Uh, the Happiness Advantage. I know is one that might be the one he's the most famous for. But he's got, I think, at least two or three other books. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So he's fantastic. Wow. Um, and what I've really loved 
listening to him talk about more than anything else is gratitude. He's mm-hmm. done a lot of research on, on gratitude. And I was like, okay, I need to talk to this guy for my book. And so I sent him, I, I sent a random email to his company, never thinking in a million years that I was going to get anywhere. The next day, Sean himself emailed me back <laughs> and said, how's Wednesday? And so it was absolutely, he was so generous and so kind. Mm. And so I did all of these interviews and, and other fact collecting and mm. within my own stories and things, I weaved in other people's stories and perspectives as well. And that became, yeah. I think something that, that people felt like they could they could make some progress with. Um, And then I also had a mentor who's another published author. And I was, I I wanted the book to be very, very relatable. Mm -hmm. You know, I knew that not everybody who was going to pick up this book was going to be in a wheelchair or have a disability. And frankly, I didn't want that. I wanted to be able to put a book out there that almost anyone could find themselves somewhere in. And so this author friend and I came up with the idea together to structure the book to, you know, sort of, I came up with a laundry list of, I think it was 17 different sort of high level things in life that suck <laughs> for all of us in the world. And it was things, you know, disability and illness is a chapter because it's the elephant in the room for me. Sure. But then there are chapters on rejection mm-hmm. and loneliness and shame and job loss. Yep. And, you know, 17 things in total where, and they're all incidentally things that have shown up in my life um, that are completely unrelated to disability. And so my hope is that after the crazy couple of years that our world has had, that it's going to be something that people can turn to, to find a new lens for how to look at their own struggles and challenges Mm -hmm. um, and how to create sort of a new mindset around the hard things that we all go through in life. Well, and when you said the 17, you know, different chapters, I mean, if I'm trying to think um, just the ones you mentioned is like, yep, yep, yep. (laughs) Really? I mean, the human experience is challenges. It is. You know, so when, when you say, oh, I haven't done that one yet, don't say that out loud because that's like, (laughs) yeah, here you go. (laughs) Exactly. So be very, very careful to say that this one doesn't apply to me because you better read it because that's on the horizon. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And you're so right. I mean, I, I do, I hate to say it, but you know, these, these struggles that we have in life, it's, it's one of the the ties that binds, you know, because Mm -hmm. Every single one of us at one, even if you, even if it hasn't hit you yet, every Mm -hmm. single one of us goes through struggles and challenges and usually more than one before, um, you know, before we, we call it a day. Um, but, but yeah, it's, I think it's something that we all really have in common and, you know, there are a lot of ways to, that we all kind of can fall into victim tendencies, maybe without even being aware of it. Um, And so those are a lot of the things that I talk about in the book. Oh, it sounds, I can't wait to get my copy. How did you come up with the title? I mean, it's so catchy. There has to be a story about that. Thank you. You know, it was, (laughs) it was one of those moments where, you know, I, 
I was, I was trying to come up with a title and the working title that I had for it when I first started writing, um, this newest book proposal that for what became this book, um, I was calling it out of the dark, but you know, it just, it didn't quite say what I wanted it to say. And, um, it didn't quite fit my personality. I write very much the way I speak. And so my, my hope also is that when you read the book, that you really feel like you're sitting in a room with a girlfriend, having a glass of wine and talking about life's challenges. And so, you know, I wanted something catchy. I wanted something memorable and I wanted something that was, you know, even a little bit ironic or funny or silly, a little snarky. Um, Mm -hmm. And honestly, it came to me like a bolt out of the blue. I I wish that I had a better story for how I kind of arrived at it or pieced (laughs) it together, but I really just, I ruminated on it for months. And, you know, I would be driving somewhere and I would be thinking about, you know, okay, what am I really trying to say? And, you know, and, and I finally landed, I think on the sucks part first. Okay. And I wanted to be very direct and say, you know, sometimes things in, in life suck and that's the truth of it. And Mm -hmm. oh, the the truth about things that suck. And so (laughs) I think it kind of hit me in that kind of way. Yeah. I I totally get that because when we're doing our sidetrack sisters and sidetrack legacies work, names are so important. And, and I've had a few other names because one of the things that's happening for me is I'm beginning a coaching business. I um, just received, I just went through a class and um, am now a certified life coach. And I'm thinking about, you know, what do I want to, what do I want to call this? And Mm -hmm. um, what I do is I go for long walks with my dogs and then I, I listen to podcasts and then I'll turn it off. And it's just like it, it, that's that positivity is in there. And it's just like, it's like a zone you get in or when I go to sleep at night, it's like, okay, I'm just going to kind of turn that on and let it like that word that I used before percolate uh-huh. so often you need to just sit with things yes, and not force it. And just, uh-huh. it's like, okay, well, it's not here yet. Um, right. I'll bounce it off my sister and she'll go, meh. It's like, not quite. Okay. <laughs> I thought that was a good one, but yes, um, you know, she's somebody definitely who's very honest that is mm-hmm. able to, to say, yeah, no, you're not there yet. Um, which yeah. brings me to my next question. We've been talking mm-hmm. a lot about you and your journey. Um, what about the people that are around you? Do you have a community of people that support you in both? I'm not talking about physically, but really, um, in your journey with, you know, you're, you're writing, you're speaking, you're coaching. How do you have people to bounce things off of? And, um, what does that look like for you? I do, you know, I, I definitely have, you know, my family, I have my husband, a daughter, my parents, um, a sister, and, um, you know, they've always been a great support to me in, um, in, in wanting to, you know, see me live my dreams and encouraging me to go after things like this. I think honestly, and, and, and I've, of course, I've got friends as well, who I have a lot of friends who are also, um, oh, how to say, you know, they've, they've got their own kind of hustles as well, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of people in my world who are sort of like-minded about 
um, multiple revenue streams and, Mm -hmm. you know, entrepreneurship and wanting to build something and, and, um, and lofty goals and things like that. So I I do have friends and, and people in my life. It's funny though, when it comes to kind of the creative nitty gritty of projects, Mm -hmm. I do, I do bounce things off of people, maybe at kind of a high level, but I kind of, this is going to make me sound like a total control freak, but I kind of, I kind of like to keep it almost a little bit private and work through it on my own. And hold on to the energy too, I think. Yeah. I, I think there's something to that for sure. But I think, you know, I also, there's something about me that almost doesn't want to be influenced by mm. outside. I, I want everything to be authentically, you know, what I feel and believe and what, what I see in the world and all of those things. And when I need um, sort of outside input or other perspectives and things, I I go actively and look for them like I did with the interviews. But I think as I'm working through projects, I typically like to work in a silo. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) And then when I've got something that's far enough along to share with somebody, I might do that. Yeah. I mean, what I found in the past is anytime I'd have a, a dream, I would talk about it. And then it's almost it released some of that, that built up um, mm-hmm. enthusiasm or that energy. And then it's like, eh, and then it doesn't happen. And yeah. so you know, yeah. I really understand sometimes moving forward and then getting going. And then you can start sharing with people because it's already... Well- Yeah. And actually, I think you may have just hit on something there because earlier in this process, like I said, 12 years ago, I started setting out to write a book and I was a lot more open and forthcoming about what I was doing and what I was writing. And I had, I did have a couple of people that I would send things to Mm -hmm. and ask them to read them and give me feedback and those sorts of things. And I think when things didn't happen, I was, I was, I was, I was a little devastated and, um, you know, and I think that, I think there are feelings that can come up like, like failure and lack and, and all of that. Mm -hmm. And I do think that that may be a part of it. And I, I kind of keep things close to the vest now until Mm -hmm. I feel like I've really got something that's maybe that's going to see the light of day. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. So as you were mentioning about the, that um, author that you contacted the researcher, you called him generous and kind. Well, he definitely passed that on to you because you've got that in spades. I just can't even tell you how wonderful this conversation is. Oh, thank Um, you. you That's so nice of you. The wisdom um, and and just the passion that you have for what you're doing now. I can't imagine you in, in it, in a cubicle somewhere. (laughs) Um, It doesn't seem like would fit your personality. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it was, it was, it was great work, but it was, it wasn't my life's passion. And I do, you know, I, I tell people all the time now that I I genuinely wake up in the morning and I'm excited to get to do what I get to do. And I never thought that I would be that person, you know, who was so excited to, to get up and to, to write and talk to people and create magazines and do podcasts and, Mm -hmm. and all of these things. I'm so lucky. And I'm so aware of how lucky I am. And I, 
Um, you know, it's just the best job that I could have <laughs> well, ever I, One of the, we, on, on Facebook, um, a posting that I did a couple weeks ago was something to the order of, it doesn't matter what road you're on. If you're going in the wrong direction, turn around, you know, yes. it doesn't matter how long you've been on this road. If you are, sometimes there are, I mean, a roadblock comes up and you go around and you stay on the road and then a boulder comes and falls out of the sky. I mean, sometimes it takes somebody to say, stop, you are yeah. on the wrong road go this way. And it sounds like, I mean, that's what happened for me. That's, yeah. it sounds like what happened to you. And you kept pounding on that rock saying, let I, me back on the road. I did. I did. You know, I've never been a risk taker. And so I was very, very married to that career that I had. And like I said, I, I never thought I would do anything different. I thought I would retire from that career and that would be it. But, um, and yeah, when, even when I lost that job, I kept, you know, trying to claw my way back in. And finally I, I realized, you know, I, um, I, I kind of quoted Oprah earlier because she's a huge role model of mine. And, and I've heard her say countless times, you know, sometimes the universe whispers, sometimes it shouts. And I think I've even heard her say, you know, sometimes it, it'll, you know, dump a big pile of rocks on your head or something to that effect. And that it was my pile of rocks. I mean, it took that much for me to stop and, and listen, but it was funny because once I did everything lightened up, you know, mm -hmm. I wouldn't say it got easy at that point because it's been a ton of hard work, but it just, there was a weight that lifted off my shoulders. And I think it was because I, I found a purpose again, mm. you know, and I didn't stop looking for a job right away. Yeah. I kept up with the job search, but I also started writing and started, you know, trying to figure out how to make this public speaking thing happen. Yeah. Um, and I think that having something um, that really was my passion that I got to do at the same time kind of set me free. Yeah. Um, you know, and it sounds to me, and I, uh, there's a question here at the end of this. One of the things that I did when I left education was I, I sat down and I didn't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. I wanted to recognize what made me so successful and happy in education. And I wanted to take the best things with me into the next career because mm -hmm. uh, I knew that there was 30 years of not only being an educator, but I was being educated mm -hmm. in so many wonderful things that I could take with me into the next, whatever I was going to do. Yeah. And so I can only imagine one of my struggles in this next, um, you know, podcasting and, and life coaching has been the technology piece of it. I'm guessing that having been in tech, that that is a skill that has really helped you in this next, um, you know, path that you're on. It is for sure. And make no mistake. I was not a developer or an engineer or an it person. I was, um, more on the business side of things. Okay. Nobody, okay. nobody wanted me writing code. That would have been a disaster. <laughs> um, but I did a lot of things along the way, everything from, you know, customer service and account management to project management, program management, operations, managing and leading teams, developing teams, creating brand new functions and departments for companies and things. And so, so much of that gave me the skills that I needed to go off and, um, and work on what I've been working on. Um, it would have, it would have been a lot harder to, I think to, I think it gave me discipline. 
Um, and I think it also just gave me a lot of skills and tools that I needed to kind of project manage, um, you know, create some operations around what I was doing and, and just all of that. Oh, exactly. Um, now, I bet, though, that in, in IT, you didn't do a lot of public speaking. So you referenced back when you were four years old and now in um, your um, little video that you have on your website, I can recognize that you were on the RISE um, the conference. So I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with um, the Hollis, um, you know, mm -hmm. the RISE um, podcast. And I was wondering, so that just absolutely sounds amazing to me to be the, the motivational speaker on people who are motivating millions of people and just what a uh, platform that's given you. Um, how exciting. It is. Well, you're, you're very kind. I will say I cannot take credit for speaking at Rise. I was an attendee um, at Rise, but I will say Dave Hollis has actually become a great mentor to me. Mm -hmm. um, and he I actually see you just interviewed him or just published. I the, did. Yeah. yeah, he has actually mentored me through this whole book publishing oh. process. And he is also one of the kindest, uh, most generous people that I've encountered and has asked nothing in return. You know, I mean, he's just such a, a kind person. And so, um, but as far as the speaking, I, what I've, so I, I did start speaking when I was very young as mm -hmm. the, the Florida and Texas state ambassador, but I actually um, stayed very close to the muscular dystrophy association okay. on into adulthood. They were always amazing partners to me and my family. And I continued on speaking for them um, into, you know, my college and young adult okay. years. And then I got busy with you know, working and, and motherhood and all of those things. Um, and then, and then now I've come back to it again. So mm. it's something that's been a, a pretty big part of my life for, for a long time. And it's something that I've always really enjoyed doing. Oh, wonderful. So, okay. So next question for you is, you know, you've mentioned a couple of times about your daughter and, um, one of the things that we're doing as, um, sidetrack legacies is really telling people and encouraging people to get their ideas out into the world, to get them down on paper, to, you know, do it. If you're called to be an artist, do your painting. If you're called to build a company, do your company really as a legacy for your children, your grandchildren, yeah. your family, your community. Um, what kind of legacy are, do you see yourself leaving for your loved ones? Oh gosh. I, I hope that it's one that makes them proud. Yeah. You know, I, I, um, they have been such a big part of my journey mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I couldn't have done any of it without all of them. And so I hope that they know what a big part of all of this, all of this, they are, I dedicated my book to my parents mm -hmm. as, you know, they are my original source of, mm -hmm. Um, perseverance and persistence and, you know, all of these things. And so, um, so yeah, I, I hope that what I've shown them is that, you know, despite some of the, the cards life dealt us, I was still able to 
persevere and be strong and, and overcome in a lot of ways. And my, my motto is to kind of live a limitless life despite these physical limitations. And so I try to be a person who finds a way to do whatever I want to do, even if I have to, you know, take a couple of wild turns and, (laughs) and, you know, build something that didn't exist before to make it possible. And so I, I really hope that that's, um, the, the legacy that I leave behind and, and what I've, what I've shown them and given them along the way. Wow. So you know, the book that you, you just got done now, I'm actually moving this interview up to tomorrow's podcast. I have some others in the can right now, but because just last week was when your book came out, I want to really celebrate that, that publication and support you in that way. Um, Thank you. The the title of it, the truth that of about things that suck and how to make them suck less. Just, I mean, when you were talking just a second ago about your legacy, I see that truth about things that suck as being your book, but you just had I don't know if you realize this, how to live a limitless life. That sounds like another book. You know, it, it might be, I might, I might write that down in my little notebook. You know, I will put it in the show notes. It just, I mean, it was like lightning came down here. I thought because what you've said is so um, profound, really. I mean, talking about thankfulness and grace and just being um, open to, the things that are, but really not accepting them as they are, but looking for the good in that and what you can find in, in whatever you're being dealt is really what we all need to hear. It's what we all need to hear. Thank you so much. You know, because I, I think we all have our own limitations, right? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and they, they look different for all of us. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So in so many different forms and, and fashions, and I think it's up to us to, to learn, to see possibilities instead of limitations. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's, what's coming up for you? Are you going to continue? You have like, is it in the sixties? How many podcasts you've been podcasting now for a little while for more um, not that I have been podcasting for a little while. I definitely, plan to do more of that. And, um, I've, so I've, I've got my podcast. I've also got the MBA podcast mm-hmm. podcast called the quest podcast, um, which is all about, you know, it's a lot of conversations that are important, I think, to people in the community of individuals with disabilities, mm-hmm. you know, it's all about things like, um, diversity and inclusion and independence and what that means to people who have disabilities um, and, um, you know, employment and airline travel and so many different things that affect people with disabilities. So, um, you know, those podcasts will continue to get my attention. Um, I really want to do a lot more public speaking. COVID did a number mm. on a public speaker's 
uh, livelihood. Um, and you know, so many things have been possible virtually, but it's, it's a different experience doing something virtually versus being in front of people and being able to make eye contact and, you know, see if what you're saying is resonating with people. And so I really want to, now that things are, are becoming a little more normal, get, uh, get back to some more public speaking and really build that up. Um, and then, you know, I'd love to write another book. So yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I, yeah. I, 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 I see it in your future. <laughs> oh, you're so nice. <laughs> I hope so. I really do. Oh, great. So, um, what kinds of words of advice do you have? Let's say, you know, somebody comes to you and says, oh, jeepers, you know, I'm, I'm in this career and it's safe and it's, I'm pretty much happy. You know, I'm doing what I went to college for and it brings in, it, it's, it's, you know, what I always thought I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, I don't, I, I'm not feeling as satisfied as I was. Yeah. What kind of words of wisdom do you have for people? I think there are a lot of people in that situation, you know, people who are successful and mm-hmm. they, they have the things that look good from the outside. They've got the relationships. They've got what society tells us that we should want, mm-hmm. but for some reason it's not, and I don't want to say it's not enough, but but things have changed. Yeah. I'm not quite fulfilled. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's a great question. And I wish somebody, I had heard somebody answer this question back when I was working my corporate career, because I I think what I would say is that there's always room for more. You know, and you know, I'm not one ever to tell anyone to throw away the career, to walk away from stability, any of that. But what I would say is figure out what really matters to you, what you're really passionate about. In fact, one of the things I ask people is what could you stand up and speak about for 30 minutes with absolutely no preparation? And I think that that's a good place to start to find something that you're really super interested in or passionate about. And once you kind of figure out what it is that, that is kind of a passion of yours, you know, are there ways to incorporate that into your corporate life? Are there projects you could take on or employee resource groups you could start up or, you know, anything, you know, maybe a social group at work that would support that passion. And if not, then I do think that there's, you know, if, if it's something that we really want, I think that there's always time for something outside of our professional life. You know, even if you spend an hour a day on it in the evening after you work or, you know, three times a week, an hour a day, um, you know, figure out what you can manage and then spend a little time doing it and see where it goes, what happens and where it might lead you. Exactly. Because, you know, I think so often it takes either a, you know, a, a, some kind of medical diagnosis or, mm-hmm. you know, getting fired from your job. It takes something outside of us or something really c- catastrophic for people yeah. to go, wow, you know, I don't have a lot of time left. I've got to uh-huh. do what I'm set on this on a Sunday things become crystal clear Yeah. But when you have the option of staying or leaving. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to stay and continue doing that same safe thing that it doesn't is. speak to our soul anymore. That right. doesn't fill us with joy when we wake up in the morning. 
Um, right. I was telling somebody, I said, when I'm doing these podcasts, I said, I feel like I'm sweating, you know, right now. And I, <laughs> I feel like I could run a marathon afterwards. Yeah. I, I just, I have found my thing. Now yeah. it took me until I was, you know, um, 57 to find uh-huh. it, but I found it now. And yeah. And you're so fantastic exciting. at it. <laughs> Um, the other thing, you know, we were talking, I was talking about community before another Mm -hmm. firm belief that I have, and you kind of just touched on it just now when you said, you know, put together groups of people, you've heard that saying that you are, are so affected or most like the five people that you spend the most time with, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that's what you're talking about right there is if you're not liking where you are and what you're doing, find those five people of who you want to be like. And sure. that can help you become the person that you more closer to the person or help you understand the person who you need to become. It's so true because so often, you know, going after a goal or a dream or something, especially if you're working full time somewhere else mm-hmm. and you have other obligations and responsibilities and things to do anything else is hard, you know, and it does require effort. You know, it doesn't, like I said before, it doesn't have to be another full-time job, spend two or three hours a week doing it, but it's still time that you could be, you know, binge watching Netflix or, you know, having some downtime or some rest or whatever. And so Mm -hmm. I think all that to say the people that we have in our lives, I think they become sort of the influence Right. on us, you know, and if you're surrounding yourself with other people who have the same interests, the same passions, and maybe the same ambitions as you, mm-hmm. that's going to really push you a lot more than if you're hanging out with people who, um, you know, are not of the same mind as you. That I think you've said it all there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so important. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, um, I was listening to a podcast and I think his name is Dave Butner. He wrote the Blue Zones Project. Oh, okay. And um, he said after the book was written, if he would have realized how important our relationships are and how important those people we spend the most time with it how much, you know, we spend the most time in our lives with, if he right. realized the importance of that one aspect, he would have changed the way he wrote the book to really it's highlight true. that. It's not, you know, you do these nine things and they're all equally important in living a long, healthy, um, contri- a life of contribution, but really yeah. the people you spend your life with have, you know, a much larger, um, say in who we are and, and how we live our life than we formally understood. Agreed. Agreed. I've got people in my life, you know, I have friends who I could have a conversation with one of them for 20 or 30 minutes. And I swear, I feel like a guy, like I could fly or, (laughs) you know, create a rocket ship or, you know, like I could go and do absolutely anything that I, I set my mind to after having a conversation with a very specific kind of of person who just knows how to get me excited and, you know, creates kind of a a synergy and an excitement. So yeah, yeah. you feel seen, you feel heard, you feel understood. And with that comes that energy to, to go and create and do that. um, You don't get in every relationship or in every circumstance. It's true. 
Beautiful. Well, yeah. this has been so fun talking to you. Where can we find you? Tell us all the places and all the things. Yeah, absolutely. So my website is super easy. It's just Mindy Henderson Co. Dot com. Um, and you can reach out to me there. Um, you can read about the book there. Mm -hmm. You can read about my speaking, all of that. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, all the places. So, you know, I really, truly do love to hear from people, um, and to know, you know, what you're thinking and what matters to you or what you're struggling with. And, and all of that kind of helps, feed what, what I do. So, you know, I would love for people to, to reach out and tell me what's on their minds. Oh, that's so exciting. Thank you. I think I found you on, um, I think it was memoir writers. Okay. Yep. I think that's where I found you. Great. Well, I'm so glad that you did. This has been such a pleasure. Yes. And, you know, and, and it's just so beautiful to make connections with people that like myself have, have been, you know, like I said before, a, a successful, happy, you know, person that's moving along, but yeah. there's something that, um, happened in life to cause that feeling of, okay, there's still something that I need to contribute in a new and different way. I mean, I feel yeah. like I've, I've affected and informed and developed hundreds of children's lives, you know, oh, yeah. it was like, and that was lovely and that was beautiful. And now it's time for something else. And this feels so, um, you know, talking to people like you who are just, I feel like I need to amplify these beautiful, strong, mm positive, um, encouraging voices like yours. So I, I mean, not to say this in a mean way, but I'm so glad you got fired. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> right? not at all. You know, honestly, it's one of the best things that could have happened to me. And oh. in hindsight, you know, so many times I think things that kind of kick us in the butt in life and, and, mm -hmm. you know, shake up everything in our worlds can be the best things that, that happen to us. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, one of the things um, I've always been a believer of, I went through years and years of infertility. And um, when I did adopt my three kids, I made the, the, the absolute 100% firm belief that these were the kids who I was meant to have. And 100%. I, I went on a particular journey. I knew that at one point um, I made the decision to stop the infertility and move toward adoption. Literally in, I can point, I, I was in my car. I made the decision because I decided that I wanted a family, not that I needed to be pregnant. Right. And you know, you so often in life, you need to make that decision. You need uh, to make that pivot. And then you need to move in that. It, it's not a no. It's like, just, just a little bit it's, this way is, is it's your just path. something else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. It's not a no it's, it's this instead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. and actually I have a, a chapter in my book on us on the struggle to become a mom. Really? So, um, so yeah, a lot of what you just said is very, it's, it's exactly what I talk about in that chapter. This is definitely a book that is going to speak. I'm sure profoundly to so many people. So thank no. you very much for, for being you, for putting your story out in the world and just for really doing it in such a kind, um, generous, empowering and passionate way that is, is um, making the world a better place. Well, thank you. That's such a nice thing for you to say. And I appreciate you having me and, and giving me some time to talk about my passions. So thank you. 
Super. So I will um, put your information in the show notes about your book and about the, the sites that you mentioned here. And um, I hope people will um, contact you and buy your book. So, Thank you so much. Is, is your book available? I'm sure it's on Amazon. Is it available in any other, um, you know, um, private publishing places that yeah. you want to want to um, mention? Yeah, it's honestly, you can, you should be able to get it anywhere books are sold. Okay. Um, right now, you should for sure be able to order it on Amazon, um, Barnes and Noble, and is it Bookshop? Um, it's on my website. If you go to my website, you can see where you can order online right now, but you, you should be able to now go into any bookstore. And if they don't have it, they should be able to order it for you. Awesome. So, oh, thank you so much, Mindy. This has been so special. Appreciate thank it. Thank you. It's okay. been special for me too. I appreciate it. And before we call it a wrap, I just want to say that I would absolutely love to hear from you. If you have any questions about what we talked about today or any other topics that you would like to see addressed on the podcast, just go to the Sidetrack Sisters page or the Sidetrack Legacies group on Facebook. We would love to engage with you and grow together on this legacy journey. Don't forget, if you like what you heard, please, please be sure to leave a review for us on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. And also, be sure to subscribe or follow us to be notified of new episodes. So that about does it. Thank you so much for listening today. Our goal for this podcast is to inspire you to look at your own life, tap into the memories, find the wisdom, and write it down as a legacy for your loved ones. Until next time, take care. Take care.